We lift you up, Lord Jesus. Let's take a moment right now just to lift him up and magnify his name. That name that's above every name. That name by no other name that we can be saved. That name that is great. That name that is powerful. Oh, we thank you, God, for your name. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your cross. We thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you for your spirit and your power and your anointing, O God. We thank you for your church, the body, O God, the believers, O God. We thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity, Lord, that we got to breathe your air today, that you've allowed our hearts to beat today, Lord. You've given us eyes to see and ears to hear in the natural, O oh God. You've given us the ability to walk, O oh God, and to see, and O oh God, to enjoy this life on this earth for this brief moment. That you would give our ears, O oh God, in the Spirit. Give us ears in the Spirit to hear what your Spirit is saying to your church today, Lord. Open our minds and open our ears, O oh God. Open our hearts. Lord, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every preconceived idea, Lord. Jesus. Lord, we bind the wicked one, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would be allowed to have your way, O God. We release, O God, your spirit and power, Lord, your angels to be dispatched, O God, and release your angels, O God, to minister. Set your angels in this place, Lord, to reach us, O God. Jesus, wonderful, mighty God, we honor you, we worship you. Lord, I exalt your name, I lift up your name, I glorify you, Jesus. Lord, we lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Lord, we lift up our voices, the fruit of our lips, giving praise unto your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We give you the highest praise. Hallelujah. We give you the highest praise. Hallelujah. 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 If you look up that word praise in the book of Psalms where it says praise ye the Lord, praise where it says all that, that if you look up that word praise, it's, it's the word halal. It's the beginning of the word hallelujah. And that's what it's saying. That's the highest praise. Amen. We got to give him the highest praise. I know you might like me, you might like Brother Becker, you might like Brother Parker, but we're not supposed to give them the praise. All the praise belongs to him. And, I, you know, when somebody says to me, I, that was a great message, I, I just tell them, well, thank you for telling me that. But I tell them, tell the Lord that that was a good message because I don't want any of his glory. He gets the glory. I'm just a vessel. You're just a vessel. God uses us to bring a soul into the kingdom we got to give God the glory. Yeah, he used us as a vessel. The Lord was talking to me while I was praying up here. And he, he was talking to me about that scripture where he, he the, the disciples said, teach us to pray. And what did he say? He said, this is what I want you to pray. And he didn't give them a prayer to pray. It's a principle. And what part of that said, thy kingdom come. Well, what does that mean? We're just supposed to say those words? That's not what that means. We're supposed to pray his kingdom come. Well, how's his kingdom supposed to come on the earth? Anybody know that? Right here. Us. 
How has God done everything He's done? If you read this entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, how did everything get done in the Bible? Human agency. God used somebody. He used somebody. He, he made somebody to be His vessel. And they submitted themselves to whatever God's will was. And that was the second part. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Whose kingdom are we talking about? His kingdom, not ours. Whose will are we talking about? His will, not mine. So that doesn't give me license to do it my way and call it God's way. When, when Paul went to go to a particular place, he had it in his mind. I don't even think he said it out loud. But all he had to do was have it in his mind. And what does the Bible say? The Holy Ghost said, no, don't go there. So we can't just run off and take off on our own ideas and our own whims. They might be good ideas. But we've got to run it past God first. Is this what you want me to do? Paul was learning a lesson in that one little story right there. Paul was learning a lesson. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Listen to the Holy Ghost. We all have spiritual ears. We just need to get them in tune. Paul had to have spiritual ears. Peter had to have spiritual ears. He didn't know what he was going to preach on the day of Pentecost. He just stood up and it just started flowing out of his mouth. Where did that come from? From the Holy Ghost that had just been given. So Peter had just received the Holy Ghost, and he stood up with a mighty anointing and started preaching the first apostolic message. So that means that everybody in this room that has the Holy Ghost has that same ability right now for to stand up and God to just start flowing through you if you're willing to listen and repeat what he's telling you to say. That's all the prophets did. That's all they did. How did they know what to say? And God was giving them some hard stuff to say, let me tell you. Because then he would say, I want you to go say this. And then he'd say, don't worry about their faces. Just say what I'm telling you to say. And we want to, <laughs> when God gives us something to say sometimes, we want to kind of try to tone it down a little bit so we don't offend somebody. But what if that's God's intention? Is for you to just say it with the same intensity or whatever he's, however he's telling you to say it. Not just the words, but how he's telling you to say it. What if he means for it to be said that way? What if he's trying to get a hold of somebody, get somebody's attention? Don't, wouldn't you want God to get your attention if you needed it? I wouldn't want the preacher to tone it down if I needed that. Praise God. We had a great time yesterday. In our prayer walk in Sparta. Amen. Transition from that to that. <laughs> we really did. Amen. And uh, the Lord prompted me to read a scripture. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. It wasn't us. We, we were there. We were just being vessels. We were just being obedient. Doing what God called us to do there that day. Yesterday. But our weapons are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. That's what we did yesterday. We pulled down some strongholds. We cast down some imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against another. There's a lot of stuff out there. 
There's a lot of attitudes and spirits and mindsets. That's what a that's what a, a, a stronghold is. That's what an imagination is. It's something other than what God wants you to think. Because there's a, I mean, we were all there. I always, there was time when I thought in my life, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm making some good decisions, and I'll, I'll be all right. And we all were there once. And then we found out we weren't making very good decisions. Because we found ourselves staying in an altar repenting. Because we knew we weren't making very good decisions. And we were just, our life was a mess. There's some people out there whose lives are a mess. And we, we tore down some strongholds in Sparta and Monroe County yesterday. And I told Brother Plowman, this doesn't just affect Sparta. This is the county seat. So this is affecting Toma. This is affecting everything and anything that's inside of Monroe County. Because don't you know that's how the enemy works? They have levels of leadership just like we do in government. And so we were, we were affecting his kingdom yesterday. Because the Bible says he is the God of this world. For a time. Until the Lord takes him out of the way. Puts him in a pit where he belongs. Amen. And so I want you, I wanted to encourage you that didn't go. Don't be discouraged that you didn't go. Keep praying. Pray for lacrosse. Pray for on Alaska. Pray for Holman. Pray. God hears that. It's not just empty words. God's hearing that. He's collecting that. And our prayers are not in vain in the Lord. Amen. We're going to continue on. We're going to try to make it all the way through lesson eight today. In the first. Uh, Talking about exploring God's Word. The first new covenant message, just to kind of rehash a little bit. What was the first new covenant? What, what was the new covenant? There was a new birth, right? The Old Covenant was what? The Old Testament, right? The Old Covenant was all those sacrifices and those 630-some-odd rules and regulations they had to follow with their flesh. Because they had no Holy Ghost. So they had to they had to work really hard to try to follow the rules. And did they fail? A lot. I'm just going to answer the question for you. That's why they had to have those sacrifices. That's why they had to have their sins pushed back every year, because they could not do it. Those rules that all all that stuff was put down by God, so it was spiritual. But here we were, here they were in, in a carnal sense, trying to fulfill all that. With no Holy Ghost, no holy, no holy power of God to help them. They just had to do their best. And that's why we have a new covenant. Because Jesus came to do away with all of that. And he gave us power in the new covenant. And that was what was called the birth of the church. God's plan for us from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was what? The lamb slain from the foundation of of the world. So if he was the lamb slain, and we have types and shadows of that all through the Old Testament, then what was he on the day of Pentecost? Or right before the day on when he was crucified? Did he the Bible says that he he did nothing that would would have caused him to have been crucified, but yet he was he was literally the lamb slain, just like in the Old Testament when they were leaving Egypt. They had to get a spotless lamb, and they had to kill it, and they had to take the blood of that lamb. 
He became that lamb for us so that the death angel would pass over us spiritually. This is important stuff. Acts 2, 14-33. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's really early in the morning. But this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Is that happening today? Is it? Is it at the level it needs to be happening? Not even close. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. What day is that? That's the rapture of the church. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Ye men of Israel. It doesn't stop there, does it? We can't just stop there and call that a doctrine, can we? Well, there you go. It says that right in the book of Acts. Well, you've got to keep reading. The conversation goes on. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. It was a definite plan. When you read the words determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, it was, a, it was God's specific plan. As much as Jesus didn't want it to happen, as much as he tried to pray it away, because he did say, Father, let this cup pass for me. I don't want to have to go through this, God. You mean for me to be in ministry, i got to go through this? Just because we come into the church and be, because we get saved and baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that we're not going to have to endure some trials. <laughs> I mean, God would have to apologize to people like Joseph. <laughs> come on now. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried in his sepulchre with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, David was a prophet. 
and knowing that God has sworn by an oath to him. When God swears by an oath, he means it. If God doesn't do what he swore by an oath, he ceases to be God. There's one place in the Bible where it says he, when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. God don't play. When he says something, he means it. That the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, would be raised, would he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He, seeing this before, speaking of David, spake of the resurrection of Christ, and his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus that God raised, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. It's not just something we're talking about anymore. It happened. That day, the minute the, the first person the minute the first person began to speak with new tongues was the that very split second the that ended the Old Testament covenant right there. No more Old Testament covenant. No more sacrifices. No more animals. None of that stuff. The moral law was still in place that was implied in all of that. But all of those sacrifices were done away with when that man was crucified and died on a cross. He stood in your place. He took the beatings. Who would get in line right now to, if I brought in a cat with a cat of nine tails just like the one that they beat Jesus with? Who would be the first to stand in line and say, beat me first? Tear my flesh on my back. Till it's like hamburger and I'm bleeding to death. In truth, nobody would. He went through that for you. He suffered that. They beat him in the face until the Bible says that he had, there was nobody that could even recognize him. And, <laughs> and we complain. We, we have the gall to complain about anything. Jesus' name. He did that for you. We have the gall to complain when somebody asks us to do something for the kingdom. When God asks us to do something for the kingdom, we have the gall to even murmur and complain in our spirit. Just because you don't say it out loud doesn't mean God doesn't notice. You can have a smile on your face and be murmuring on the inside and nobody you think nobody knows. And yeah, nobody out here in this world might know. <laughs> but I didn't write it. <laughs> the scripture says we don't know our own heart. Sorry to have to tell you that. You can you can fool yourself into thinking you do, but I'm telling you right now the book says you don't. There's only one person in this world that knows your heart better than anybody and that's him. So you you're not pulling one over on God. This is a definite article. This is yet another prophecy fulfilled. They are speaking with new tongues. Right? It was a new to them. It was new to them, but was understood by those in the crowd. So those people had 
Those Galileans, as they called them, had never spoken in other, any other language but their own. And suddenly they're speaking, and they're not just speaking gobbledygook. They're not just making a bunch of baby noises. Gaga, goo, goo, blah, 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 blah. No, they're not doing that. They are speaking, in, and we know that because everybody around there was hearing their own language. Now, right now in this world today, there are over 7,000 languages. I looked it up, about 7,800, somewhere in there, that, that they know of. That they know of. Dialects and languages. There probably weren't that many back then, but there were quite a few. And so, Acts 2, 5 through 6 says, And they, were dwelling, they that were there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven at that time. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. I'll never forget the lady in Okinawa that got the Holy Ghost and spoke in perfect English. Brother Wright talked about when he was in Africa, there was a lady standing at the front and he had to go ask the translator that was there when he was preaching they were all, you know, everybody was at the altar. God was filling this lady with the Holy Ghost. And he said, does she know English? He said, no, she lives in a village. She doesn't know any English. She was standing there saying, take me, I'm yours. Take me, I'm yours. Take me, I'm yours. That was her receiving the Holy Ghost. So when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're speaking in a language. Just because you don't know what it means doesn't mean it's not a language. And whatever it is you're saying is glorifying God. <laughs> what it says right here, they were glorifying God with words that they were speaking. And every nation that was there could hear them speaking in their own language. And they even said, well, these are just dumb Galileans. How is it possible? They didn't know that five seconds ago. Now they're speaking my language. That's God. You don't have to go to uh, some language class somewhere. God will give it to you right now. And when He gives you the Holy Ghost, you don't have to beg Him for it. Because He's your Father. I don't ever have to beg my father for anything. He's there. He's ready to give it to you right now. You just got to repent. You just got to lay. I'm getting too far into this. In Jesus' name. And it went on in verse 11 and said, and ended uh, verse 11. I hate verses because it's part of a whole sentence. Break it up with verses. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. I think it was Brother F. Joe Ellis when his dad got the Holy Ghost. Or no, it was somebody in the church. His dad was in the church. Somebody got the Holy Ghost at the front, and they were speaking perfect Hebrew. And Brother Ellis's dad ran up to the front of the service, if I remember the story right, and he stopped the whole thing like, wait, wait, stop. The preacher's like, what? How's that guy speaking perfect Hebrew? He said, I don't know. He's getting the Holy Ghost. And he was on his way out the door saying, this is just a bunch of hooey right here. And God said, oh, yeah? Watch this. <laughs> and I don't know this, but I believe F. Joe Ellis is in church today because of what happened. Because that turned his dad's mind around. If I remember the story how he told it. 
So God, God's awesome. <laughs> You'll never figure him out. I've been trying for 33 years. <laughs> I'm not even close. I'm no closer than I was 33 years ago. Well, maybe a little. But it's not about figuring God out. But it is about knowing what this book says. And you better know. You better know. And that doesn't just mean to memorize the scriptures in your brain. You can do anybody can do that. Well, I can't. I'm, my brain doesn't work that way. I've I've tried memorizing scriptures, and if you ask them to me today, I have memorized some, but for some reason, the way my brain works, it just doesn't stick. But you know how I found it does stick when I'm studying the Bible over and over, and I keep going back to that same. You know, the Lord just takes me through these little studies, and I keep ending up back at those same scriptures, and for some strange reason i remember them better when it's through study like that than me purposely trying to memorize but back to what i was saying you can memorize the whole bible but if you don't know what it means if you don't have if you don't comprehend and understand and ask god for understanding what it means you're just memorizing a bunch of words you might as well memorize the dictionary (laughs) right but i'm telling you right now we better know what this book says because there is coming a day when there's going to be a separation there's coming a day when there's going to be persecution and the bible says that one of us in this room is going to turn on one of us in this room it just says that Because you're going to get to the point in the persecution where you're going to say, that's more than I'm willing to deal with, and we will turn our own folks in. If you don't believe that, that's up to you. The Bible says it's going to happen. Sons are going to turn against fathers. Daughter-in-laws are going to turn against their mother-in-laws. That's what the book says. I better, for me... I better know what this book says. I better know a lot more than just Acts 2.38. Acts 2.36-39. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord. That word Lord speaks of God, the I Am. Everywhere in the Bible that I read. And Christ, the the anointed one, the Messiah. He's, he's God and he's Messiah. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise See, it's a promise. Bob, it's a promise. We don't have to doubt God. It's a promise. Period. He said it's a promise. This promise is unto you and your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's still calling. Who were those 3,000 people that were added to the church that day? They were probably Jews. But, I mean, who were they? Nobody knows. Were they farmers were they what, what, what were they nobody knows it's not important that's the point 
It's to whomsoever will. All who are far off. Anybody. Everybody. It's available. You don't have to be special. You don't have to have some special. No, you just you just have to have one qualification. One. Thirst. They that do hunger and thirst. Anybody thirsty? Jesus told that woman at the well, you can get water out of this well all you want, but you're still going to be thirsty tomorrow. But he said, I'm going to give you some water that you'll never thirst. And what did she say? (laughs) You mean I don't have to come get water out of this well anymore? Give me some of that water. And he said, you're looking at him. I'm paraphrasing. He said, you're looking at him. I am the water. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And because of that one woman, just one woman, that's all it takes in Sparta, just one. Just one. Because what did that one woman do? She went back and evangelized her whole city. And she was the one that had been shacking up five or six times. And God, that's the one God picked to be that vessel that he used for that city. So we we can't we can't just say well that one but not that one that one but not that one because God's not doing that He's going to pick the most unlikely the most you know He's not going to pick the one that's most likely to succeed and be the top of their class and have all the accolades and all that He's not going to pick that one He's going to pick the petulant Peter who was just go off on a, he would just go off for no reason. He would just, ha- you know, had a. He would just have a fit for no reason, and just. And then he'd sit there and say one thing, and say, oh, "I'll never turn on you, Jesus." No, I don't know him. Who are he talking about? I'm not one of them. Peter, tried Jesus. And in one scripture, it said Jesus just looked over at him like, you know, you ever got that look from your parent? Like I tried to tell you. But you wouldn't listen to me, son. And now look what happened. We've all been there. I wouldn't want to be there. Amen? Repentance. Repentance is just part of the full baptism that needs to take place for any individual to enter into the and begin a relationship with the Savior. Repentance is not... A one-time event. Uh, you don't just get to repent once so that you can get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and that's all. That's it. That's, you don't have to repent anymore. It's not a one-time thing. It's something that we have to participate in every day of our life. Why? Because he leaves us in this flesh. That one scripture says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. Do we still have desires of the flesh today? I have a desire in the flesh to have a piece of that roll down there, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) 
But we have desires. We want it. We like doing things our own way. I like having a say. It's not my fault. It's just that's how I am. That's my flesh. I like being in charge. I like making my own decisions. We all do. We don't want to submit to God's will. We want to do it our way and call it God's will. So that's why we have to repent every day. First John, speaking to the church, said, For we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and if we sin, he's faithful and just. He's telling that to the church, not to sinners. He's saying that to the church. I think Brother Sims talked about that altar was when he was here. Brother Sims talked about that. We need to keep the fire on the altar. In the Old Testament, they had to keep the fire burning on the altar. What does that mean? That's the sacrifice. Who's the sacrifice? It's us. i got to keep laying my life down every day. Not my will. Jesus was my example. Not my will. Your will be done. It's just I can't just say that once and call it good, Brother Pecker. It's just not going to work that way. I've learned in 33 years that I'm going to sin and fall short. But that's why, that's why I have the blood applied to my life. That's why I can go to Him and repent. And that blood washes me afresh and anew every time I do that. And it's that willingness to recognize and hear the Spirit of God dealing with you when you're about to bless out that driver that just cuts you off. Father, forgive me. That's a soul. I shouldn't be talking about that soul. That's one of your creation. Yeah, they cut me off, but that's not what. That's not how I'm supposed to act. Forgive me, God. Nobody in this room but me has ever done that. And I'm, I don't have my eyes open, so I don't want to see if you raise your hand. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us. Word. Speaking to the church, speaking to saints, people that are saved, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First John one eight and nine says, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." As long as there's a Satan and as long as we live in this flesh, there will be sin to be repented of. But thanks be to God that we have that gift of repentance. It's a gift. Amen. Lord, keep me saved every day. We don't believe once saved, always saved, do we? Amen. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you today. I need you right now. I need you right this second. First John 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Paul's admonishing the church, right? Or excuse me, John. Sorry. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's our advocate. What's somebody that advocates? It's, yeah, it's like the VSO, the guy that advocates for all the veterans to try to get them on their benefits, right? 
He's your advocate. He's your go-between. He's the one that knows all the rules and the laws, and he can go in your stead and take care of, get that thing taken care of, and get them to say yes instead of no. Right? That's true. That's what their job is. And he is our propitiation. He is a the propitiation for our sins, or he's the stand-in. He stood in our place. He took the beating so we didn't have to, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Repentance, Father, you're acknowledging that you that you're that you're a sinner. You're acknowledging that hey, I can't be in control of my life. I'm making a mess. Repentance is a change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. Lord, keep me going in the right direction. Right now, I'm I'm turning from this. One definition of repentance is about face. So you're marching this way. This is your life. You're walking in the wrong way. And Jesus comes into your life and you do an about face. And you don't walk that way anymore. Does that mean that way he's not going to try to come back and pull you back in? No. But you've made up your mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. And the beauty of Receiving the Holy Ghost is that He gives you the power to be able to do that. Water baptism in Jesus' name. Water baptism in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I already talked about how they took the blood of the spotless lamb and they put it on their doorposts and their lentils of their house so that the death angel would pass by. And so that was an important type and shadow of salvation today. Because the only way that you can be saved is by the precious blood of Jesus that he shed on Calvary being applied to your life. And how is that applied? We talked last week about the testator. And in order for there to be, a, in order for your last will and testament to be enforced, you've got to die. So the testator was Jesus Christ. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world for our sin. And so when he died, his testament came into full force. And so that's why Peter said to them on that day, when those 3,000 said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Why were they, what was that pricked in their heart? That was conviction. Something, they were just, something was just eating at them. That word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's what was happening. Peter was standing up there just saying what God was telling him to say, just flowing in the Holy Ghost, and the words that he was speaking were straight from God, and it was getting into their business, and it was giving them conviction about the fact that they had, whether they had physically hammered the nails in or not, they participated, they stood in the crowd and said, crucify him, whatever, to whatever level they participated in that crucifixion, and it was convicting them. They were feeling that, that sudden feeling of 
Oh my gosh, what have I done? Anybody ever been there in the natural? You can't undo it once you've done it, right? And so we have to take on that name in order to get that blood applied. The lamb had to be killed and the blood had to be splattered on the doorpost. So that blood has to be applied to our life somehow. And that's why Peter told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of who? Why Jesus? He's the one that died, isn't he? He's the one that shed the blood, isn't he? It's his blood that saves us. Changes our identity. Changes who we are. When you and your wife got married, she dropped her last name and took on your last name. She changed her identity. Right? That's what we do. So it's kind of like getting married to Jesus. When you take that blood upon your life in water baptism, and there's, I've been baptized, and all of y'all, I never saw any, I didn't see that water in East China Sea turn red, Brother Parker, but the blood was applied nonetheless. Because it's an act of faith. We're doing what Jesus said to do. He, He instructed his disciples to go and teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, Singular, in the name of the Holy Ghost. And that's why it changed our life. So his name has to be spoken when we are baptized. And what happens when you're baptized? That word baptized is the, in the Greek is baptizo. It means to dip or to plunge. So you don't, it's not sprinkling like that Old Testament thing they did. You're buried in water. Head to toe, buried in water. What happened to Jesus when he died? They took him down off the cross and they buried him. One scripture in the Bible says that we are buried with him by baptism. You're killing this flesh. You're killing your sin nature. You're telling it, Jesus is on the throne now. I'm not. I'm taking on a new name. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. You're taking on the name of Jesus. You're losing your identity, and you're taking on his identity. Amen. John fourteen five through 10 says, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, no, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? That could be some of our prayers sometime. Lord, help me to know the way. What do, you, what do you want me to do next, God? Where do you want me to go? He said to me, you will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. Well, what does that mean? Crickets. Hadn't told me yet. When he decides to tell me, then I'll know. For the meantime, the last command he gave me was, go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. That's what I'm doing. 
beyond that, I don't get to have a say. And I've had multiple family members and everybody try to get me to move back to Kentucky, and I tell them all the same thing. As soon as you can convince God to tell me that I'm supposed to move back there, I'll move tomorrow. But until until he tells me otherwise, (laughs) in my flesh I don't like it, but it ain't about my flesh, is it? I want to please God. I want to do what he wants me to do. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, this is so profound right here, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. But we're standing here looking at you, Jesus. What do you mean? Hello? You're looking at him. That's what he's saying. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. He still didn't get it. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet he loved Philip. Okay? He's not just berating him. He loved him. Have I not been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? I thought you knew me, Philip. I thought you realized. I thought you had revelation, Philip. I thought you understood who I was. So he's going to help him out a little bit here. He says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the Father. So when the Bible says baptize in the name of Jesus, when when Peter, when when they, when they Matthew 28 and 19 says baptizing them in the name of the Father, what's the name of the Father? Jesus. Believest thou that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak as I, I speak unto you, Not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Was Jesus a son? Was he a child that was born? And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the... Might well, the means one and only one. The like the original article. There's there's only one Michael Jordan. That's it. He's the Michael Jordan. There is no copy. So when he says the mighty God, he's saying the only God, the everlasting Father. Oh wait, that was prophesied before we ever got to the Book of Acts. The Prince of Peace. Wow. Right? I'll never forget the day I got I saw the revelation of who Jesus was. It blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's from God. Nobody was in the room but me. Just me and my Bible. And it just God just opened He opened my understanding. Let me see it. Now the birth of Jesus in uh, Matthew one eighteen to twenty three was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he's being a just man, and not willing to make a a public example, he minded to put her away privately because he didn't want to hurt his identity. You know, it's like, I don't want anybody to think bad of me. I I didn't get her pregnant. That's what he was saying. (laughs) Let somebody else take care of that. Okay? That's just real. 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Wow, he is a lineage of David. That wasn't coincidence, was it? <laughs> Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. He already called him his wife, her wife, his wife. God's already said, not to done deal. He's your wife. Sorry. You ain't getting out of this one, Joseph. For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. There's that son we just read about in Isaiah 9 and 6. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Isn't that amazing? That's why we need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. John fourteen fifteen through 18 says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall send, give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth in you, he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. The last part of the plan of salvation given to us in Acts 2.38 is to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus commanded it. Jesus foretold this glorious experience in John 3 and 5 when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This verse establishes the absolute necessity of receiving the Holy Ghost. It's not just an extra special gift that you get as a consolation prize for being baptized in Jesus' name. Sorry. It's a part of the new birth what did john tell nick tell him he said unless you're born of the water and the spirit right paul proclaimed it the essentiality of receiving the wonderful gift of the holy ghost is further emphasized by the words of the apostle paul now if any man have not the spirit of christ what's the spirit of christ the holy ghost the holy spirit whose holy spirit is it There's only one spirit. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. That's what he told the woman at the well. God's the only spirit besides that other guy. But he's the spirit, the main spirit. And that's found in Romans 8 and 9. Receiving this gift is a beautiful privilege purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest experience a person can have. Christ actually comes and takes his abode in us, in our human body, called a temple. Didn't it say in the New Testament somewhere, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? This is a holy temple. And when he comes in and cleans you out, when he applies the blood of Jesus Christ to your life and water baptism, when he fills you with his spirit, he just moved into your house. 
and you have cleaned out every closet. That's what repenting is. Everything I'm hiding, God, and the stuff I can't even remember, I, I just lay it on the altar right now. I'm just giving it all to you, God. I don't even know what stuff I can't remember I did or said, but I'm giving it to you. I'm laying it all down. I'm not going to hold on to anything. That's what repentance is. I'm sorry, God. I just have just so just messed this up. And God, is God merciful? He loves you. He loves you. Jesus loved that other guy on the cross when he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And that guy had done some wicked stuff. He deserved to be on that cross. Jesus didn't. And while the other guy on the other side was sitting there railing at him and saying, Well, you're Jesus. Why don't you take yourself off the cross? The other guy said, Hey, don't you know who you're talking to? He understood. And when Jesus realized that this rank sinner hanging on a cross understood who he was, that's when he turned and said that to him. And Jesus doesn't just say stuff because it sounds good. Peter preached it. The Apostle Peter spoke in Acts 2.38 about the Holy Ghost experience. He later described the feeling when the Creator dwells within us to His creation through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, saying that it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1 and 8. It's a feeling like you never felt before. That's all I can tell you. If you've ever smoked dope, if you've ever done drugs, if you've ever drank alcohol and you think that's a good feeling... I mean, it just puts all that to shame. (laughs) It's not even close. It's the most awesome feeling to feel that it's like somebody's pouring warm water into your body. What does that scripture say? Out of his belly shall flow. Out of your innermost being, not your literal belly, but out of your innermost being, when when you've emptied yourself of everything, you've just completely emptied the vessel, that gives him room. He knows. God, he's the only one that decides that whether you're worthy of receiving the Holy Ghost. And he's, he says everybody's worthy of receiving it if they'll repent. And when he, He's the only one that knows for sure, for real, if you've really repented and just let everything go. You're not holding on to anything. You're not holding stuff in this little closet back here. You're just, just letting it all go, Jesus. I'm giving it to you. That's when he'll feel you. You won't even have to try. You won't even, he won't, he, he'll just, it'll just happen like that. Like when we were at men's conference, Bob was asking questions. I pulled a dollar out of my pocket and gave it to him. I said, he's like, what? I said, just here, you want that? Well, yeah. I said, well, take it. He took it, and I said, that's how easy it is to get the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. He's ready to give it to you. (laughs) You don't have to beg for it. He'll give it to you today. Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm taking too long here. The baptism of the Holy Ghost promised... To all who obey God's command to repent, who exercise faith in Christ. You gotta trust him. You gotta trust him. I gotta hurry. Five minutes. The purpose of the Holy Ghost. Why do we have the Holy Ghost? Oh, I take take that back. We gotta go back one. What's the initial evidence of initial evidence? What's the initial evidence that you've received the Holy Ghost? The initial evidence. What was the initial evidence on the day of Pentecost? 
They speak with new tongues. Why is that? You imagine if you can let completely let go to the point where you can let go of this thing. Because the Bible says in the book of James that this thing, the tongue, is an unruly member. It's the most unruly member. It's full of deadly poison. And it's the tongue can steer a ship. We can bless with it and we can curse with the same tongue. When you can let go of this, that's all you got to do. <laughs> just, just let go. Just let everything go. Just, just throw your hands up and say, I'm, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. Like that lady in Africa. Take me, I'm yours. Take me, I'm yours. Take me, I'm yours. What a great example of, of just the, the attitude you got to have. That's how easy it is. And like I said, it's, it's glossolalia. It's not just gobbledygook. Everyone in the upper room ex- experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Samaritans received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 8, verse 13 through 19. The Gentiles received the Holy Ghost. See Acts 10, 4, 4, 4, 44 through 48 and Acts 11, 15 through 17. See, the Jews thought they were the only ones that could receive the Holy Ghost. God said, oh no, (laughs) I'm going to give it to the Gentiles. And how in the world did he do that? There's this Gentile guy that was a commander in the army, and he was just a praying man. He didn't understand who Jesus was, but he knew that there was a God, and he was real. And he was a praying man, and his prayers went up before God as a memorial, and God said, I'm I'm going to help that guy. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use him to fill the Gentiles with the Holy Ghost. And so what did he do? He went and got Peter, who was a devout Jew, and said, Hey, I need you to go to this Gentile's house. Oh, Lord, I can't do that. Oh, yeah, you can. Here's a, here's a dream. Here's a vision. Oh, I can't eat any pigs. I can't eat that unclean stuff. Oh, yeah, you can. I call it clean. You're going to eat it. And then Peter started eating pork rinds right there. <laughs> no. But Peter, with some other Jews, went to that guy's house. And what, what would happen when he got there? He had a house full of people. And he didn't, they didn't just have a little dinky little house like my house. Y'all, y'all say, that's a big house. No, those guys had big houses. They had big courtyards. He had that place full of people. So Peter showed up to preach to a crowd. And God filled a bunch of Gentiles with the Holy Ghost. And the disciples of John the Baptist, what did Paul ask them in Acts 19? They were all devout followers of John the Baptist. They, the word hadn't gotten around yet. And they said, he said, have you, believed, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Oh, well, no, we've, we've only received the, you know, the baptism of John. And, and Paul said, well, we've got to get you all up to speed here. And he filled them with the Holy Ghost. So what is that saying? God's no respecter of persons. He don't care. He don't care. He don't care if somebody walks in that door right now that's been shacking up for 10 years, never got married, covered in tattoos, drunk, on, drunk out of their mind, just woke up from a hangover. He doesn't care. You think God knows all that? And yet he fills them with the Holy Ghost anyway? Because what does it take to receive the baptism? What does it take to be saved? Bottom line, thirst, hunger, and faith. I need God. 
This life of mine's a mess. Please, God. And He'll do it. You can leave work on a Friday <laughs> and go back to work on a, on a Monday and totally different guy or girl. It, God does that. And people go, what in the world happened to you? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> you shouldn't ask that question. <laughs> how, much, how much time you got? Right? Because you're going to tell them. Because when I tell you what, when I came out of that water, Brother Parker, and they said, Brother Dennis said, how do you feel? I said, I don't have words. <laughs> Just feel clean. I felt clean for the first time in my life. Hallelujah. The Spirit. What's the purpose of the Holy Ghost? Having the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Is that is it there for a reason? Or is it just a an extra, you know, just a little extra thing you get? No. It gives us eternal life. When his when the when the rapture happens and the Spirit of God leaves this earth, anything connected to that Spirit's going with it. Anything that doesn't have if you have not the Spirit of Christ, Paul said you're none of his. You're not going. You're staying. Your shoes are going to still be on the ground while the rest of us are on our way up. The Spirit gives power. I was talking about that already. You have power to live above sin. You have power over devils and demons. He has given you His authority. It's like that that prodigal son that came back. And what did his father do? He put the ring on his finger. He put the robe on him. And he gave him all the authority and power of the father. To make the decisions that the father made. Because when he put that ring on his finger, all bets were off. That's what he did to us. He robed us in righteousness when we got saved. And we become his. And he gives us power. I was talking about in the very beginning. He gives us power to be those vessels. How does his kingdom come? How does his will be done on the earth? Through us. God, I hope I'm whatever I'm doing, I'm doing your will. I hope whatever I'm doing, I'm representing your kingdom the best way I know how, the best way you can, that you work through me. And what's the Spirit also do? Teaches us. The Bible says, But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And the Bible talks further about the Holy, the Holy Spirit being our teacher, our schoolmaster. It's going to lead you. That's why it's important to, to exercise yourself to listen. And know his voice. His sheep know his voice. And the sheep don't go anywhere unless the shepherd tells them to go. And the one that wanders off, he'll leave the 99 and go get that one. He loves us. And finally, the Spirit imparts the love of God. Because it's not in us to love people. Not in our flesh. I, I'm... I'll be the first one to admit it. I can't love some of those people out there. Out there outside that door. <laughs> just stuff they do just gets under my very last, just, just gets on my very last nerve sometimes. But when I have the love of God in me, His love will transcend anything I can produce. He will give me a love and a compassion for people that I never thought possible. And that's what He wants. He wants to operate through us. He wants us to love them with His love. That's why it's called agape. It's God love. It's, it's a kind of love that really can't even be explained. 
It's that same kind of love that Jesus felt for us when He went to that cross. Forgive them was what He said, wasn't it? For they know not what they do. That's us. When we don't do things that pleases God, we could almost be, the Bible talks about crucifying Him afresh and anew. I don't want to do that. I want to be His vessel. He wants to do mighty things through every single person in this sanctuary. Every single person in this sanctuary, He wants to do mighty things through you. If you'll just listen to the voice of God, He's going to tell you to go do stuff and say stuff. You're going to go, "Uh, God, I can't do that. He's going to go, yeah, I know. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to let me do it through you. And you're going to succeed when you let God do it through you. Amen. Father, we love you today and we thank you for your goodness, mercy, and grace. We plead your blood over the remainder of this service, Lord Jesus, that the minds and hearts of your people would be willing and ready to receive the, whatever word you have for us today from our pastor. Lord, we pray your covering over this remainder of this service. We pray your blessing upon the rest of it. In Jesus' name.